Food insecurity is often a topic of discussion in agriculture, but oftentimes within the frame of how will the industry feed a growing global population. The sad reality, however, is that food insecurity is a challenge right here at home, and a large percentage of the funding promulgated in the Farm Bill is dedicated to solving the complex challenge of helping farmers feed their fellow Americans. Welcome to Feedstuffs in Focus, our podcast taking a deeper look at the big issues affecting the livestock, poultry, grain, and animal feed industries. I'm your host, Andy Vance. Thanks for joining us today. This episode is sponsored by United Animal Health, a leader in animal health and nutrition. You can learn more about United Animal Health and how they're working to advance animal science worldwide by visiting the website unitedanh.com. Lisa Hamler-Fugit is Executive Director of the Ohio Association of Food Banks, an organization representing Ohio's 12 Feeding America food banks and their 3,600 member hunger relief programs. Recently inducted into the Ohio Agriculture Hall of Fame, Hamler-Fugit is an advocate not only for the food insecure in her state, but for farmers and the vital role they play in feeding all of us. As she said to me more than once in our conversation, we all have to eat. Earlier this week, her organization hosted a convening on the topic of the Farm Bill, bringing together people from farm organizations, state and federal government, food and hunger organizations, and industry and academia. The broad topic of discussion was how the next Farm Bill, that massive piece of legislation that funds the U.S. Department of Agriculture and its many and diverse programs from commodities and conservation to nutrition and rural development, will shape the scope and nature of food insecurity in this country over the next decade. After I moderated a panel discussion at the event on the topic of tackling food insecurity in uncertain times, I spoke with Hamler Fugit about her unique perspective on the Farm Bill and her concerns for the often tenuous coalition it takes to pass such a vital piece of legislation in a hyper-partisan environment. Lisa, would you start with giving the audience an overview, just spend a day talking about the Farm Bill from a variety of different aspects. But my first question for you would be, why is a group dedicated toward dealing with food insecurity, hunger here in local communities across the state, so involved and interested in the Farm Bill? Uh, great question, Andy. And w- one of it is that the first line of defense against hunger in our state and nation is called the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program. A lot of people remember it as the food stamp program, but a number of farm bills ago, they changed the name to reflect that it was a supplemental program. That program, the SNAP program, is housed within the nutrition title of the farm bill. And as you look at the pie of of how much of the benefits go out and what the billions that are funding, that the largest segment of uh, that farm bill goes out in the way of the nutrition title. It's because of the tens of millions of Americans that receive benefit from the SNAP program. Uh, What that SNAP program is, it allows them to stand in grocery store checkout lines to be able to purchase foods that their families need in order to feed themselves. It's the food that our farmers, growers, and our commodity producers are growing or raising in our production facilities, our processing. So it's a, a large food ecosystem. 
which is really important for people to understand. We all have a stake in the farm bill, whether you work on the farm or you work in education or whether you work for corporations or a nonprofit organization. In America, we have taken for granted for far too long that we have an abundance of what was a readily accessible, low-cost system of food. We have taken it for granted, and those who produced the food were not the beneficiaries of those sales. So I think COVID has really given us a real reset on what our food systems are, what they mean, and we need to make sure that as we continue to struggle with a very broken supply chain, that the farm bill is making investments in our own domestic food systems, that our producers are being receiving the benefit and are incentivized, that we have the processing capabilities to be able to process food. I'll tell you a story. Um, a large manufacturer of um, foods that uh, most of us probably have in our cupboards and our refrigerators um, grows fruits and vet primarily um, fruits and then they ship them overseas to be processed and then ship them back. Well, the lead time had generally been about 45 days. Well, unfortunately, they got stuck on cargo ships. So, again, that's an example of it may seem better to offshore some aspects of our processing, but we have to reshore that in order to make sure that we can be, we can close the entire system of food production, whether it's from livestock producers who are now looking at their input costs in the way of feed higher, farmers who are paying more for fuel or fertilizer. We need to bring that back so we're much more self-sustained. And that's really what the farm bill is. Again, we talk about the nutrition piece, but you've heard me say, Andy, we all eat. We all have a stake in this. I really love your focus on the the processing and manufacturing aspect of this because it strikes me, you know, for my entire adult life, you and I live in a in a quote unquote rust belt state, mm -hmm. big agriculture state, but a state that has lost uh, a large percentage of its manufacturing industry in in my adult life. It seems to me there's an opportunity there to bring some of that food and, and uh, processing manufacturing you talked about back into. The, the Rust Belt or wherever, and maybe accomplish a couple different goals at the same time. Is that is that fair? I, I totally agree. This should be part of an, a broader economic development strategy that we have here in, in Ohio. We have Jobs Ohio. I would like to see Jobs Ohio really double down on are we building the kind of, of state-of-the-art food processing facilities that are going to allow us to be then become exporters. Not only can we feed our own people, but can we feed other states? Do we have opportunities for our farmers and our growers to be able to take highly perishable foods and whether that's canning or flash freezing that food to extend the life? Can we do more in the way of f food formulation? Again, we have the assets of the United of, of um the Ohio State University and food sciences in this. So there are real opportunities. And what we know about uh, Ohioans is that, you know, we're, we're solidly Midwestern. We're solutions-oriented people, and I know the solutions are here. It's not always going to be about bringing in the intels of, of the world, but we can grow industries that are going to help sustain all of us, both our personal but our, also our local economies, and bring back the kinds of jobs that are family supporting 
benefit providing an opportunity for workers to, to go to those jobs and be able to support themselves and their families and also have a future towards retirement, being able to save. So is that Pollyanna? Uh, I, I hope that it's not Pollyanna, but I think that it's going to help us all grow um, and be stronger and more sustainable. We are also an aging state, so we can't really lose sight of that. This isn't an urban or a rural issue. We're all in this together, and many of the issues that we see that plague our urban centers are also the same issues that are plaguing our rural communities, a lack of a workforce. Um, so, again, I'm, I'm also about, I hope that within the context of this farm bill, that we have an opportunity to put our political differences aside and have a really robust conversation about comprehensive immigration reform. We need a workforce. One of the things I'm really struck, uh, you, you have a great passion for, kind of getting past that partisanship you just talked about. And, and you just used also another one, talking about it's not a rural or an urban issue. There's so many people, whether it be the politicians or different interests or lobbyists, whomever, who like to put A versus B or X versus Y. Let's pit these two different groups or constituencies or demographics against one another. The reality is we have far more in common than we have that divide us on so many issues, it, it, particularly as we're talking about agriculture policy, food security, and so on. Food security is really important. And like I keep saying that you remember, don't forget those early days of the pandemic when we went in and we saw grocery store shelves and, and the freezer sections and, and the refrigeration sections just stripped bare. All people want to talk about is the toilet paper crisis of, of COVID. Okay, no, what people did is they panicked. They panicked because they didn't know was this temporary. It was a silent killer that was that was striking down the healthy, the young, the the, the old. The, I mean, so it could happen. Okay, and we are going to be more susceptible. So again, I, I just feel really strongly that we can't allow our elected leadership to throw the red meat out there, so to speak, and polarize us. We need to come together because we're all stronger together. And, and I say that it doesn't matter what your bank account, how much money is in your bank account, or what your zip code is. The one common issue is that we need food, we need water, and we need air. Those are the assets that we're all going to rely on when it, when the time comes. The other thing is we don't need to look too far outside of our borders or in our history textbooks to know that democracies become destabilized when people can't feed themselves. And I really worry about that. I worry about the unrest that we see, and it's happening now because of, of climate change and the globalization a very low third world and second world countries that are being crushed right now because of inflation in their own economies, because of significant weather events. Um, and again, we've lived in a globalized economy. So much of what we rely on now has been outshored that we need to reshore. And again, this is an economic development piece that, that I would hope that Ohio's elected leaders both at, at the Ohio General Assembly, but also within members of Congress can see the big picture for the Farm Bill and beyond. My thanks to Lisa Hamler-Fugit for an insightful conversation about a critical topic of importance to the agriculture industry 
and to society as a whole. You can read more of our coverage of the 2023 Farm Bill in the dynamic digital edition of Feedstuffs. You'll find our latest issue and past editions by visiting feedstuffs.com and clicking on Digital Editions. This episode of Feedstuffs in Focus was sponsored by United Animal Health, a leader in animal health and nutrition. You can learn more about United Animal Health and how they're working to advance animal science worldwide by visiting the website unitedanh.com. I'm Andy Vance, and you've been listening to Feedstuffs in Focus. Thanks for joining us today. If you want to hear more conversations about some of the big issues affecting the livestock, poultry, grain, and animal feed industries, subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platforms, including Apple and Google Podcasts, or check out our website, feedstuffs.com, for future episodes. Until next time, have a great day, and thanks for listening.